It is awesome to have all of you with us today at all of our live churches and our network churches. We love you guys so much. Those of you on the other side of computer screens all over the world, you are a part of our Church Online family, and we are very, very thankful for you. If you want to follow along in uh, version in your Bibles today, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we are talking about how to be an outlaster. If you missed previous weeks, you can catch up at church, uh, lifechurch.tv or um, in any number of places where we have the content. We're talking about how do we give our faith, pass it along to the next generation. And what I wanna do today is I wanna talk to you about intentional giving, intentional giving. It's really interesting to me how many things that we can be intentional about and how many things we're actually not intentional about. Uh, For example, many people I know are intentional about planning for their wedding, but not intentional about planning for a marriage. I don't know about you, but that was the way we were. Like hours and hours and hours goes into the 45 minute event, but we didn't think about what happened after we actually got married. Same is true uh, when you're pregnant, maybe having your first child. We were intentional about naming our first child, We were intentional about designing the room. I didn't know that they had themes, but evidently some baby rooms have themes. Ours was Beatrix Potter. I did not even know what Beatrix Potter was. Maybe a relative of Harry, I don't know, but it's a (laughs) rabbit and we had matching sheets that matched the comforters, that matched the lampshades. I did not know There was such thing as themed lampshades, evidently there were. And we were very intentional about planning the room, but we didn't think about being parents. Then the kid was born. We weren't that intentional about rooms once we got to kids five and six. You know, when six got here, there was no like, how are we gonna theme the room? It was like, there is no room. Where are we gonna put this kid? Maybe in a drawer, I don't know, you know, work with us. But you know, your first to your second, third or fourth things change. It's like the pacifier thing. If you have one kid and your pacifier drops, you throw it away. Second kid, you actually wash it off. Third kid, you just lick it. Fourth kid, you let the dog lick it and plop it back in the kid's mouth and things just change like that. Well, how'd I get off on that? Back back to intentional giving. It's interesting how we're intentional about some things, but not intentional often about things that matter even more. So I want to talk today about intentionally giving the next generation three things to set them up for spiritual success. If we do not intentionally give them the right things, we will accidentally give them the wrong things. I wanna start with three accidental messages we give as we actually try to help in a way that hurts. Then we're gonna look at the three right things to give. If you're taking notes, giving can hurt in three different ways. I don't know if you're gonna see yourself in these challenges, but oh my goodness, I see myself in them as a parent and a mentor to the next generation. The first thing is this, we give them praise they don't deserve. Great job. You are the best in the world. That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And what we're doing when we overpraise them is we're giving them an inaccurate view of reality. If you do not know what I'm talking about, watch the tryouts of American Idol and you will see 
Somewhere, somebody told somebody something that was not true at all about their singing. You're the best of the best of the best. And after a while, we trained them that they can only perform for praise, and ultimately they do not trust us because we told them things that were not true. We're trying to help them, but we give them too much praise, praise they do not deserve. The second thing is we give them things they didn't earn. We talked a little bit about this in week one, but I want to revisit it again because it's such a big issue. For example, you know, your kid's having a birthday, and birthdays are getting a little out of control in some parts of the world. You're on Pinterest, and you decide, I've got to have the perfect Pinterest birthday party. And so you bring the ponies in, the moon bounce in, the DJ, the magicians, and the flamethrowers because your precious child only turns two once. And you want to make sure this is the birthday they will remember. Uh, when they turn 10 or 12 or 14 or whatever the age is in your community, they get a $300 mobile device and an unlimited data plan. And I don't know about where you live, this isn't true everywhere, but where I live, when they turn 16, we give them their own car that they didn't work for that is often better than their teacher's cars at the schools they attend. We end up giving them things that they did not earn and therefore they unintentionally inherit a spirit of entitlement. The third problem is we give them freedoms they can't handle. We say to our eight-year-old or 10-year-old or whatever, you can play any video game you want, you can have unlimited access to the internet on your tablet or your mobile device or your computer. We send the 15-year-old daughter on a car date with a walking hormone <laughs> and say, have fun. Okay? I'm not sending my 15-year-old daughter on a car date with any male, and anytime any one of my daughters goes out with a guy, I never say, have fun. <laughs> be bored, be dull, and be home by nine. Do not have fun. But anyway, I'm kind of exaggerating, but we give them freedoms they aren't mature enough to handle, and without meaning to, we unintentionally give the next generation things that hurt them. Therefore, we're not going to be accidental. We're going to give intentionally. You're never going to see a 15-year-old accidentally become righteous. No 15-year-old comes up and goes, oh, it didn't mean to. I just walked to school and I fell into righteousness. I mean, I don't know how it happened. I just tripped and I became holy, okay? We, we're never gonna see that. So we're gonna be intentional about what we give the next generation to help set them up for spiritual success. We cannot control their decisions, but we can control what we expose them to and we can control what we give to them. And so from Deuteronomy chapter six, I wanna show you three things we're going to intentionally give the next generation. Let's start in verse four and we'll read through verse nine, um, a very rich and meaningful portion of scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is known as the Shema, um, a, a core prayer to devout Jewish people of faith. They, they pray, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Three things that we must give 
the next generation to help set them up for spiritual success. The first one, if you're taking notes, is so important. Number one, we must give them a community worth having. We must give them the gift of a community worth having. Verse four of Deuteronomy six says this. Hear, O, what? Let's all say this aloud, all of our churches. Hear, O, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O, Israel. In other words, this is our national faith. This is not an individual faith. This is what we as a community, as a nation, believes. And what I loved about the Old Testament families, they are very different than families in uh, my world. Now, admittedly, some of you in countries around the world at Church Online, you still have what I'm about to talk about. But where I live, this is very, very rare. Basically, a family unit where I live is kind of like us four no more. You know, it's me if I'm married and, and my direct children. But an Old Testament family was much broader than that. An Old Testament family was literally a community of people that would extend to not just the husband, wife, and children, but the workers that served in the home, the adult siblings, their children, their grandchildren. A family community could be 80, 90, even 100 people. They would even take other people who were not necessarily blood-related in, and there was a literal community of people centered around faith in the one true God. And there was strength in this community. In fact, if you pressed me and said, okay, Craig, you've got six kids, and as best we can tell, they're moving in the right direction. You know, I, we can't just celebrate it all completely, but they're moving in the right direction. What is the one thing that you did that was most important. If you pressed me, what I would do is say, I actually didn't do it, but, but my wife, Amy, I would give her credit for this. If you pressed me, the thing I would say that was the most important thing that she did is that she created an intentional Christian community that our kids have grown up within through the years. And there is such strength in this. Do, please hear me. If there is one thing that I think that was most valuable, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. If she intentionally created a very strong, tight-knit community of faith that every single one of our children have grown up within throughout all the years. And notice I said it is intentional because a faith-filled community does not happen by accident. You cannot send your kids into the world, into school, and just assume that there's gonna be a tight-knit, strong, faith-filled community that just naturally assembles. In fact, what you have to assume is the exact opposite because culture now devalues community. Now community is, is more thought of as online and, and social media, which is important and can enhance face-to-face -face community, but can never ever replace the intimacy of a face-to-face -face community of faith. And in culture today, culture actually celebrates independence way above community. In fact, for many parents today, what they're gonna say is, well, we just want our kids to be independent. I mean, we don't want them to depend on anybody. We don't want them to need anything. I mean, in my country, independence is one of the highest goals. But you need to understand this. To be independent is to be distinctly non-Christian. 
I want to say it again because this is really good and I'm preaching a little bit better than some of you are responding, okay? To be independent is to be distinctly non-Christian because God created us to depend on him and he created us to depend on others as the family of Christ. Scripture is rich with teachings of how we should treat one another. In fact, the richest part of Christian faith is not an individual relationship with God, but a community of gathered believers strengthening one another, experiencing the presence of God. Scripture teaches us to love one another. Scripture teaches us to encourage one another. The Bible teaches us to become devoted to one another, accept one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, submit to one another, pray for one another, and greet each other with a holy kiss, or a fist bump will do in my case, okay? But all these one another's that we are to love and to do life with one another. Do not miss the power of this. When you intentionally, and this takes time, and this takes effort, and this takes prayer. When you're intentionally creating a spiritual community for your kids, everything changes. When someone tries to make fun of them and say, wait, wait, you don't drink? I mean, you don't party? I mean, you're 15. I mean, everybody gets drunk and high. Suddenly your kid can say, well, actually, it's not just me, but guess what? We don't do this. We are pursuing a, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're saving yourself for marriage? I mean, that's the most out dated, who, who do you think actually, I'm not doing this as much as we're doing this. We're seeking a higher, wait, wait, you, you believe in God? You believe that Jesus stuff? Actually, what you need to understand is there are thousands, well, I'm sorry, millions, actually there's billions of us who for centuries have believed and worshiped and served God. And here's the key, suddenly it's not just, now listen to me, suddenly it's no longer, this is my faith and I've got to go off to college or wherever and try to stand by my faith. You see, it's not my faith, guess what it is? It's our faith, it's our faith, it's, it's our faith. And, and some of you are going, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do this? I mean, what, what am I gonna do? I, I don't even know their kid, their friend, and I mean, they're, they're, well, how, am I, how, 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 how am I gonna do this? Listen to me, the church stands ready to be that community. That's why we don't go to church. We are the church. And when you pour your life into it, you have a community worth having. And the next generation never has to be timid. Oh my gosh, they're gonna criticize me for my faith. No, we stand together because this is our faith. And there are a lot of us, and we are stronger than you think, and we encourage one another, and we pray for one another, and we stand by one another. What do we need to do? Intentionally give them a community worth having. The second thing, if you're taking notes, oh my gosh, I love this so much. The second thing is we want to give them a standard worth achieving. We want to give them something higher to shoot for and to live for. Verse five of Deuteronomy six says, love the Lord your God with what? I need everybody to help me out. You guys in Florida, give me some love here. Love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart. Come on, New York, help me out. And with all your soul. And with what? And with 
all your mind. We're going to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. Notice, it does not say with part of our heart or when convenient or when our friends aren't making fun of us. But this is full-on, radical, 100% faith-filled, passionate commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a standard worth achieving. Now, what I'm gonna tell some of you is gonna shock you, but in the Old Testament, a child would actually memorize, not a verse of the Bible, not a chapter of the Bible, but they would memorize the first five books of the Old Testament by the time they were 12. Who does that? Children who have been told it's possible do that. When you raise the standard, it will shock you what they can actually achieve. The problem is today, we have so dumbed down the standards in a way that under-challenges the emerging generation that I'm convinced they're almost intuitively insulted by it and are kind of like, come on, give me something better. In fact, th this is crazy. A hundred years ago, there were no such thing as teenagers. Did you know that? There were no teenagers. In fact, the word teenager wasn't really even in conceptualized until after the Great Depression and was used for the first time by Reader's Digest in 1941. Before that, for generations upon generations, guess what there were? There were children and there were adults. There were children and there were adults. Paul said this, he said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I talked like a child, I act like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. He didn't say, when I became a teenager, I look like a man, but I act like a child, <laughs> right? But what we did is we've essentially created a category of adults that have, for the most part, and this isn't true everywhere, but for the most part in the culture I live in, they have rights with very few responsibilities. They have rights, so you have the right for freedom and the right to drive, and this kind of, but, but with very few responsibilities to their detriment. In fact, there's a new word that's been created just to try to describe the problem in society. It's the word kidults. It's a real word, kidults. It basically describes a 28-year-old that acts like a 14-year-old. They're having so much fun, they're not maturing into adulthood, or some of them are so afraid of responsibilities, they're absolutely comfortable staying right where they are. And I'm convinced with all my heart, there is a generation of those who are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, who says, you give me something to shoot for, you're gonna see something you didn't know I had in me. You see, you will never get more than you ask for. It'll be rare that you get more than you ask for. Think about Jesus. He didn't lower the standard in the New Testament, Jesus raised the standard. In the Old Testament, hey, it was like, do not murder. Jesus said, oh, you think that's good? How about this? Don't even hate. Old Testament, don't commit adultery. Jesus raised the standard. He said, don't even look lustfully. It is rare that you will get any more than you ask for. If you challenge the emerging generation, I believe with all my heart, you'll be shocked what is lying dormant within them, waiting for the chance to come out. So, you know, you're trying to build a work ethic, okay? So maybe you should get a part-time job. Okay, that's a good place to start. What if you said, maybe together we're gonna work to open a business? They can do it. 
lawnmower and some flyers, and suddenly your 15-year-old doesn't just have a part-time job, but has a business, and something is growing within that 15-year-old. Instead of saying, hey, when you go to school, you know, try to do good and, and be popular, raise the standards. Hey, when you go to school, you are the light of the world. You have Christ dwelling within you. I've seen you grown so spiritually. You can impact your classmates. You can impact your teammates. You can impact your teachers because I see a minister inside of you. You're raising the standards. I instead of saying, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't drink and drive. What if we say, hey, what, guess what? It's still illegal to drink. There's a higher standard. Let's not do that at all. Let's rise and have a higher standard in the way that we live. Instead of saying, hey, let's just go, let's, let's go to church when we can. You know, when we don't stay up too late for the game and it's not too pretty out that we want to enjoy or too rainy so we want to sleep in and we're not too tired and overwhelmed. Instead, let's not just say, hey, let's go to the church. Let's say, hey, you're 12, you're 16, you're not, you, you are the church. We don't just go, but when we're there, we serve because this is our community. You can be a leader and switch on the weekends. You can actually serve in life, kids, and suddenly you raise the standard, and they're not attending something, they're owning something, and there's a community being built around them. Hey, hey, uh, kids are gonna be kids, so uh, try not to get pregnant. You know, if you need anything, you know, just tell me and we'll get you what you need, you know. Just be careful when you're out there. What if we raise the standard and said, hey, instead of just like trying not to get pregnant, what about trying to protect your purity? Not just physically, but in your heart and in your mind. And a lot of you are gonna go, oh, that's about as old fashioned as you can think about. Listen, you have no idea what this generation is capable of when you raise the standards. There is a dormant passion within them wanting to come out saying, believe in me. Ask me to do something. Let me loose. And instead, like, you're a teenager. Just sit at home and play video games. There's nothing in you. Your real life will start later on. We want to give them a standard worth achieving. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not the Christians of tomorrow. You are the Christian of today. And your life matters for the glory of God today. You have no idea how much God has put in that 14-year-old until you raise the standard and see what can actually emerge. Well, what are we gonna do? We're gonna intentionally give to the next generation because if we don't intentionally give the right things, we're gonna accidentally, with good intentions, give the wrong things. So what are we gonna give? We're gonna give a community worth having. We're gonna give a standard worth achieving. And the third thing, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going to give a faith worth reproducing. We are going to give the next generation a faith worth reproducing. Deuteronomy 6, 7, I love this, talking about the commands of God. We're going to impress them on our children. Notice this isn't like preach to them, make them feel guilty. But in the way that we live, we're going to model this for our children. We're going to impress them on them. How are we going to do this? We're going to talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What does this mean for me? This implies that you will actually be with your children in the evenings. We're going to design our lives to where we're engaged with them. We're going to talk about it at dinner time, and we're going to talk about it 
at bedtime when we pray with them. We're going to talk about it in the morning. We're going to send them off to school being prayed for wherever they go. We're going to talk about it on the way to soccer practice. We're going to talk about it on the way to dance. We're going to show our faith in everything we do. And here's the key above all else. If it is not real to you, chances go way down for it being real to them. Because the next generation, man, I gotta tell you what, they can see through a fake faster than you can say it. Listen, authenticity matters so much to them. You don't try to impress them. You don't try to be cool. You're not trying to be buddy. Hey, let's be buddy, buddy, buddy. Let's go hang out, man. You know, we're going to have so much fun together. Listen to Authenticity trumps cool every time. Every single time, authenticity trumps cool. You, you live it. When they see you live it and they see you faithful to the things that you say, then they're going to want it. If you're hypocritical, they're gonna turn and run so fast, you won't even be able to stop them before they're out the door. They can smell a fake. They can smell a fake. You start faking, they're gonna do this. Mark my words. (laughs) Who faked? I don't boo over here, it's the best I got, okay? So, you know, just, just, just work with me. They, they will see through it. And so what we're gonna do is we are going to give them a faith worth reproducing. Here's the bottom line. If you want them to be grounded in God's word, they need to see you seeking God in his word. If you want them to be people of prayer. They need to see you consistently seeking God in prayer. If you want them to share their faith wherever they go, they need to see you sharing your faith and being a light in this world. If you want them valuing the corporate worship of God and using their gifts in and through the church, then they need to see that the worship of God and service to him in and through the church is a priority to you. If you want them to be good stewards, then you need to live within your means. If you want them to be generous, they need to see you being generous to the church and to the needs of this world. If you want them to be fully devoted followers of Christ, then you can never ever be perfect and they're not looking for perfection but they're looking for one who's being perfected. You want them to see you calling out on God. You want them to see you depending on God when things are difficult. You want them to see you turning to God and trusting him when things are not going your way. You want them seeing you being empowered by God making it through the trials in life. You you wanna let them see you being comforted by the Holy Spirit when you are down and explain that to them. Oh, look at what God is doing in my life. And you don't shove it down their, their throats because they will reject that. But you want them to look at you and say, I want a faith like that. I, I wanna know God like that. I wanna be used by God like that. We wanna give them a faith worth reproducing. In fact, I'll tell you what to me is perhaps maybe the most favorite thing I've ever had anyone say to me ever before, and I'm probably about to embarrass him because he's here, but my son Sam, 
said to me one time, and I need to preface this by telling you, um, I never want to try to make any one of my kids think that working at the church is the highest calling, because it's not. Serving God with your gifts wherever you are is the highest calling, and I don't want them to feel pressure to do um, what I do. And so one day, Sam and I were talking, and he's just the most precious kid you've ever seen. He said, Daddy, I want to be what you are. And I was like, I've never told him. Like, so, you want to be a preacher? He said, oh, maybe, but, but, but I want to be what you are. I said, what am I? He said, Dad, you're faithful to God, and you're the best dad in the whole wide world. I want to be what you are. And what you need to understand is that I don't always feel like I'm that faithful to God, and I do not feel like I'm the best dad in the world at all, at all. I feel like I fail so often, and I feel like I preach this stuff going, ooh, that's good now if I can just figure out how to live it, you see. That's the truth, man. That's the truth. And so when you hear this, you may go, oh, well, good for Pastor Craig and little Amy, perfect little stupid preacher people, you know. <laughs> good for them, bless their hearts, okay. What, what, what you need to hear is it's just not that clean at our house. I get overwhelmed, I get stressed, I get grumpy, I get distracted, I get down, I get discouraged, I get attacked, I feel angry, I'm on, 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 on. But the bottom line is, we've been trying to give the right things. And with the help of God, even in a very imperfect environment, God is doing something really special. So you don't beat yourself up and go, okay, what was that first thing? A community, oh, I don't know where to start. Screw this. I'm not going to do that. You don't do that. You say, no, what? You know what? With God's help, we can do this. And we can start right where we are, and we can be more plugged into the church. That seems about to be the easiest thing I can think of that has the highest impact. I'm into easy with high impact. That seems to be a pretty big thing. And I can raise the standard a little bit. I can ask for a little bit more. And, and, and I, I, can, I, can, I can pull some more out of them. And you know what? I can take my faith a little more seriously. And maybe as I do, they're going to take it a little more seriously as well. Because we are not called to just live and die but we are called to pass something significant on to the next generation. And the good news is, we don't just do that individually, but we do that corporately. You see, we are the church. This is not my faith and this is not your faith. This is our faith. And this is not my God and this is not your God. This is our God. And these technically are not just my children and your children. These are our children. These are children of the church. And as the body of Christ, we can come together and with his help, we can expose them to the things that will help them find a first-generation faith in Christ. And although we will not be perfect, we could intentionally give them those things that will help set them up for spiritual success. And when they do well, we're going to give God all the credit because he is the one who deserves it. We will not simply live and die with very little lasting. We will be outlasters, passing our faith generously and righteously to the next generation. Father, I pray that by your power and the work of your Holy Spirit, that you would raise up our church to be better at being the church 
imparting your faith to the next generation here and outside the doors and all over the world to bring people to know your son, Jesus. All of our churches, as you're praying, uh, let's talk about the first two, that we want to give them a community worth having and we want to give them a standard worth achieving. Uh, I know many of you, like me, you look at your life like, I actually think I'm kind of giving more of the wrong things and not giving those things. I don't care if you're 20 or if you're 80, we as a church should work to giving a community worth having. You're a part of that community. Some of you, you're more on the outside than the inside. It's time to take a step to the inside. A standard worth achieving. All of us can do that. We can simply ask for more out of the next generation and believe they're capable of doing even more for the glory of God. If maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you one of those two areas that you'd like to be even more faithful in, would you just take a moment and lift your hands right now? Just all of our different churches, just lift your hands, put them down right now. I wanna ask one more question. If this is your church home and you recognize God is calling you to even do more for his glory as an outlaster, would you lift your hands? I wanna pray for you as well. Fantastic. God, I pray over these first two categories that you would help us to intentionally create a community worth having, to surround the next generation with strength, that it wouldn't be my faith, but our faith. God, I pray that we would step in, lean into the church, and enjoy and embrace the community that's already here, and we would be contributors to this community, bringing the gifts that you've put within us. God, help us to see and give even more opportunities for the next generation. As a church, God, I pray that my nine-year-olds, that our 12-year-olds, that our 17-year-olds, our 22-year-olds would recognize that they are not the church of tomorrow, but they are the church of today. God, give us wisdom to give them opportunities to use their gifts, believing they can do way more than our culture has ever told them they're even possible, it's even possible for them to do. God, use us to raise the standard. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there's a third thing here, and I want you to be really honest about this. God, I believe God wants to empower us to give them a faith worth reproducing. Some of you right now, you're going to recognize that is nowhere even close to something that is in you right now. Some of you, you're what I've called before a Christian atheist. You believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. You kind of do the church thing, but there's no real evidence, no real fruit in your life. You might have a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. God wants you to love him with all your heart. And you recognize today, uh-oh, uh-oh, I need to get to know him. I don't really have a faith worth reproducing. Some of you right now, you're not church people, and I'm so glad you're here. Because for many of you, God is doing something right now. He's drawing you toward him. You, you, you may think right now, I don't even know where to start, but I want to have a faith like that. I want to know this God, but I still feel bad. I've done things wrong. I feel guilty. Guess what? Welcome to the club. That's where all of us live. All of us have sinned and done things against the heart of God. And that's what makes his love and his grace so beautiful that he sent Jesus, who was without sin, to die in our place and be raised from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, who calls on his name will be saved. There are those of you, you don't really think you're a church person, but you're about to be a Jesus person because you're going to surrender to him. Others of you, you may have grown up in the church like I did, but you recognize today it's all in your head and not in your heart, and you want to know him, to love him, to be forgiven and be transformed. It happens as you call on him through Jesus, and that's why you're here today. At all of our churches, those who would say, yes, 
I'm ready to faithfully, fully, completely surrender my life to the Lordship of Christ. I turn from my sins and I turn toward him. I give my life to him today. That's your prayer. Lift your hands high right now. All over the place, lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. Right back over here in this section, way back over here. God bless you guys. Others of you today who say yes, right here in this middle section, praise God for you. Lift your hands and say, yes, I surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I want to know him. Church Online, you click right below me, and we're going to pray with all those around us. Pray aloud today. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you sent Jesus to die for me, to forgive my sins, to make me brand new. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you, know you, follow you, make me an outlaster, living in such a way that others would know you through my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody worship God. Big welcome those born into the family of God today.